This show was brought to you by Earthworks, the makers of the world's fastest microphones. Visit earthworksaudio.com to learn more or to speak with any of your sales representatives from your favorite merchandisers. Right. Welcome to Amplitude, the podcast where the world's top entertainment professionals help gamers, streamers, presenters, businesses, and you look and sound your best. We're bringing all the tricks from your favorite concerts, productions, commercials, movies, and albums to you and your projects so that you can tell better stories with impact. I'm your host, Gabrielle Baker, audio engineer and system designer from Disney. And today we're talking with Emmy award-winning audio engineer, Alexandria Perryman. She has worked for a few years as the engineer for NASA at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, responsible for connecting us on earth with the voices of astronauts from the International Space Station. She is a creator and producer of NASA's Houston. We have a podcast podcast. She is currently lead audio engineer with New York-based media production company, Standard. Alexandria, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to have you. I wanted to kind of um, give a little just brief history. and um, But before I do that, I want to jump into the, the main point of the discussion where we want to talk about how to look and sound more captivating on TikTok and podcasts and productions like these, right? Everyone's yeah. doing this. Everyone wants to create. And this has been the easiest way for people to jump into it. And you in your career arc are coming into this and about to create something amazing, I think. Um, but to backpedal, I want to get more history of you uh, and share that with the audience. Uh, you are a graduate from Full Sail University, correct? Yes, yes, I am. I love that. What was your what was your um, study of passion while there? Uh, for me, it was recording arts. Um, I actually got my associates from there, and so uh, mainly focus on the music side and inside the studio of things was what I was really when I first first graduated. That's what my eye was on. Excellent, excellent. I love that um, the the nature of business and the nature of the entertainment industry, where so many people getting into audio was you had to start by getting into a studio. You started by somehow getting on tour as a roadie, getting into sound from the get-go without any form of academic background. That's something that you and I share. I went to a local college over here for recording technology and um, that was so eye-opening. The fact that you can take something of passion like sound and music and discover that I can marry the arts with technology and science it's pretty pretty amazing right yeah i totally um that's something that i love about the audio industry is that you can put it with i mean everything needs audio and so you can be a multifaceted type of person which is what i consider myself not not just stuck on oh i only do live or i only do post i get to enjoy audio as a person right right um that's the thing that uh, I find very, very uh, interesting about audio is that it's not just one thing or what you, what we probably started out thinking of like, oh, what it was to be an engineer. Oh, what it was to be a producer. You know, there's so many different facets and different lanes for, for audio as far as um, making this be a career. So um, I love that you went through it just as much as I did. And then how did you make that move from out of school 
until you landed with NASA? Uh, so it actually, you know, looking back on it, the time frame was really fast, but it, that was probably like the longest year of my life. <laughs> it was fresh out of fresh out of school because I graduated in 2015. Uh, I moved back home to Houston. That's where I'm from. Uh, I had already had set up with um, I had friends from high school who were singers and, and artists. And so I had knew this guy that owned the studio. And so I worked at his studio for a couple of months. After like two or three months, I realized I really hated being inside of the music studio. Like I love music so much. I love right. the ins and outs of it. But just being inside the studio, recording the same thing over and over, I I, I hated it. It's I a bit of a den. It's a bit of a there. close quarters. Yeah. I needed to get outside. I needed some light. I needed something new to work on frequently. So that's when I started looking more into the live world of things. And so I did some part-time AV work, working at different hotels, setting up projectors, learning a little bit about lighting. Um, I was plugging in microphones and setting up consoles, but I wasn't the one that was actually mixing it. I mean, it, it's like a corporate event. Usually they'll just have one hand, handheld mic and you don't need anybody to man that type of situation. And so um, at the same time, I was also volunteering at my church during their online broadcast of, of their uh, church services, which was great because I got to mix live, which was awesome. That's the part that I missed was mixing live and have my hands on the board. And so I got to do a mixture of both of those worlds. And then as I'm doing it, I'm study filling out applications. And like, I don't even know when I actually filled out the application for NASA. I know it had to have been that summer timeframe. I just remember them calling me at like one day and not saying, hey, would you like to come interview with us? I was like, wait, who are you again? Because I had filled out over like a thousand applications by that point. I had no idea who that was that was calling me. Wow. Well, that, that is the trick is once leaving school and I've heard this from other people as well. So I didn't feel crazy. Is that the fact you have to send out your resume, hundreds of studios, hundreds, hundreds. I sent mine out, I think at least to 75 when I first left and maybe landed two two jobs out of that, where they're like willing to take me on. Right. Oh God, that's, it's just amazing how much hustle you have to have to, to really get out there. Yeah. I mean, this is a creative industry, right? So you got to be creative when trying to find a job. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of fun. People are like, it should be so easy for me to get a job out of this. So it's like, no, I mean, we're creatives. That's, that's why we're in this business. So you got to creatively think about work. And I think that's a concept people tend to miss when they first get out. And like, if they think about it that way, then like, oh, this job here that may not seem pleasing to me can lead me to a job that I actually like. Exactly. Exactly. Like um, stepping stones, you know, the baby steps getting into it. Right. You know, you might not necessarily be doing the thing that you really want to jump in and tackle, but they might be the necessary measures to, to learn the ins and the outs and start to get that real world experience. I think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you were doing that and doing a lot of the AV work and working at the church, which is an incredible topic of its own is doing church sound. And, and so I love that you're handling the live broadcast for that. I've been tackling that as well for, for a friend's church and, uh, and it's an amazing endeavor just to reach audiences. So it's great um, that that's something that you were doing. And did that, how did that get you to, to NASA? Well, it's, it's interesting because before that, I haven't had that much um, live experience. And so um, mainly my experience had been inside of the studio. Um, 
And B, while I was trying to find work, I started putting myself in situations. I worked, uh, my friend that he's an artist, he's a singer. And so anytime he would go and perform, just so happened, the audio engineer at that small club doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, hey, Alex, can you step back there? Well, that was a game that I ended up picking up on Saturday nights was I'll go mix for the open mic night. Um, I He was performing at a music, a big Red Cat jazz music festival that happens in Galveston every uh, Mother's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, he was performing there and their person that normally mixes for the midday um, shows got overheated and passed out. And so I ended up stepping up and now I'm mixing a music festival. And so I just kept finding myself in these little moments where I was just putting myself out there and building up those experiences and working at my church and working in different live events to where while I didn't really think about it, I was padding my resume. So when NASA seen it, they're like, we need somebody who's really, really well faceted in audio. We need you to understand posts. We really, really need you to understand how to how to do stuff for live and how to get it right the first time. And I had so much so much live experience by that time. I mean, granted, it wasn't like t- television skill, but I know what it's like to have to mix for you know more than a thousand people in the audience. And so um, it was it, it helped me. You know that that little those little one off things that other people have been like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I totally did it, and it, it worked. That's incredible. What it what a great thing to be open and brave to, to take a shot at like, yeah, I'll step in here. Yeah. I'll put myself out there and start to, to gain that knowledge. Oh my gosh. And so you went with NASA and have started this amazing career, right? Uh, what things were you starting to do for them? Um, I want the audience to hear from you. Um, just some of the incredible things that you had to take responsibility for. Yeah. I always like to joke and say that NASA, wants a uh, a Swiss Army knife audio engineer like they want you to know everything they want a one-stop shop they want you to be able to record it they want you to be able to edit and mix it they want you to be able to know the standards uh, of posting it um being able to fix equipment if it's broken having to end things I was soldering cable because anytime you know dealing with the government you order a mic cable it takes six months to get there and so I was soldering audio cables and fixing commentator Mike's headphones a lot. They seem to roll over on them all the time. And so I was always having to fix their headsets um, and doing a lot of uh, flight events with the uh, International Space Station where, you know, say there's a media like CNN or Fox News that wants to interview an astronaut while they're in space station. I'm the one who connects the um, the media client with the astronaut while they're in space and mix both their audio going out to NASA TV while each other can also hear each other. Um, and so I had to do a lot of those types of events. I've done events where, you know, it was those weird events where you had like music artists that wanted to come and perform for the astronaut. So I'm having to like mix their audio going up to space. So it was like a mixture of my worlds going in. There was like this weird moment I had with Garth Brooks where I'm standing there with a on microphone right next to his guitar so I can get the audio from his microphone that's being patched through from Mission Control all the way up to our console, which is in a whole nother building that's then going up to the space station so the astronaut can sing along. It was the wildest day. That's amazing. So you were doing it with a shotgun microphone. Yeah, because everything in Mission Control has to be wired. So you can't do anything wireless. So everything had to be wired. So I was literally following Garth Brooks around as he was playing his guitar through Mission Control. 
That's fascinating. That is the neatest thing that we're able to do that and just intercommunicate back and forth. You oh, know, yeah. and they're, how hard is it to get their signal from ISS down? Like what, I mean, how, what's that system like? So for like high quality stuff, like, like, like this right here or stuff that you would see on television, it is a little bit more work because, you know, you're going to want to have an HD camera. You're going to want to have a, a handheld microphone. That's really good quality. Uh, and so it, it takes a lot of logistics in because, you know, those folks are not professionals when it comes to setting up that type of stuff. So they get right. some training on the ground and then it's a lot of a uh, red cable goes into red dot for them. It's a lot. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, that's they have a lot of other stuff they have to think about. Plugging in the microphone into the camera is like very small on the list. Um, and so you have those moments where it, it's it's quite a so you have to do voice checkouts with the astronaut crew to make sure their their stuff is coming down and it comes down on a, a an encoder and they have a decoder and it's vice versa sometimes we can send them backup video if they want to see live video of who they're talking to i have mm-hmm. to then turn into a video router myself and route them the video and the correct audio make sure they're not hearing themselves back and it's a lot of like process and planning that you have to do which is why we you know if the if the event starts at 1020, I'm there probably nine o'clock. I'm getting set up because even though it's a 20 minute event, it takes a lot to get that all connected on and also having to troubleshoot on the client side. Because a lot of times we'll have, you know, elementary schools that are doing it and their parent, you know, they'll have a parent that's hooking up the Skype connection. They have no really technical capability. So I'm troubleshooting them up them on the phone, how to get their, you know, auditorium equipment to go through Skype. So that way I can get their audio up, teaching them how to use a telephone hybrid. So it was a lot of, uh, I turned into tech support sometimes, uh, troubleshooting with folks, trying to figure out how we can get that connection and go up. But um, those were the more difficult ones because of the fact that it's involving HD video and really great sound and audio. But for normal day-to-day conversation, it's basically like walkie talkies with them when they're talking to miscontrol. It's just like them talking on, it sounds like they're talking on a phone, honestly. That's, that's pretty great sound. Well, phones sound pretty good nowadays. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not, not too bad, not too bad. So that's all incredible. And I find that fascinating. I like the ins and the outs and just knowing what's the pieces of gear, what goes in the mix of, of trying to, to establish all these connections and the logistical of it. And so I think yeah. a lot of people are going to really love hearing what that is. Um, I do. And so that was that one aspect, but you've also, I mean, and I, and I want to touch on the fact that, so you had to be multifaceted and multitask. So not only were you handling audio back and forth from mission control to the astronauts and to media events, but then you're handling, um, I believe archival. Yes. So there are daily conversations that they have, uh, with mission control or if they're doing a spacewalk, that day, all that gets recorded back. And I have to then every other day, download that in and, and post that out to archive.org is where you can get, and you can listen to their entire conversation that they had on the voice loops if you want to. You, I'm pretty sure uh, we also did digitizing too. I did some of that from tapes from like the 1970s. So I'm actually having to like bake a tape and so I can run it back through Pro Tools so I could try to pull that audio because it was stored so terribly and no one's digitized it yet. And so, but it's weird. You can sit back and listen to how lax they were in mission control during that time. Like they're talking about their lunch, their wives, the sports games. You don't hear that on the loops nowadays. Uh, (laughs) It's it's very much so they're talking with a purpose. They're not just casually having conversation 
um, not not through the, those types of voice loops. Now, when they talk to their family, of course, it's a casual conversation, but right. those those loops that that we send out um, where they're actually talking to Mr. Control, they're very professional now, but it's kind of nice to go back and listen to the old ones and, and hear how they sound and um, have to deal with tape, which is not really my forte. I've broken a lot of tape in my day. I, I'm not great at it. I have to admit it's been well for me too. There's a lot of, I used to have to do all the cali- machine calibrations as well and learn how to cut and edit and splice. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Especially when the tape is, you know, like 40 years old and it was stored in a brown box behind an auditorium for the past 30 years. And so you, they're expecting you to do whatever you can to get that. So they can click on it on a link on the computer. And it's just like, I don't even know if this tape is going to play back. Like it's so brittle. And it's like, you're taking a risk every time it passes through Pro Tools. You're like, please, please be recorded at a normal speed. So I don't have to go in and then try to fix that too. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I can understand how nerve wracking that is, but thank you. And that's great because you're doing uh, the good work of restoration at the same time. And now, you know, digitizing, we all get to listen to it. And that, that I didn't really realize that the fact that we can go and listen to all this, all the communications back and forth. So that's really neat that that gets posted and moving on uh, to what you, that work that you've been doing there, you then were starting the podcast yeah, I was so I was the co-creator along with um, the host of the podcast, Gary Jordan. Um, it's called He's Me Up a Podcast, and that that idea was actually kind of funny. It happened that we were just casually talking because I used to have a long commute. I lived in North Houston, and uh, where Johnson Space Center is 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 South Houston, and so that's about an hour drive. That's just how big Houston is. Really? So, oh my gosh, I never it, knew that. It was like sixty-five wow. miles, even though you know. The, the light by my house has a Houston zip code. And so it was still, it was still 60 miles away. And so I had a long commute and we were talking about podcasts and things that we listened to on our, our commutes. And um, I was like, you know, we were just passing back and forth. We're like, why don't we have a podcast? And then we just started thinking about it. And so, um, because, you know, when you're part of the production team, when you raise that question, someone was like, oh yeah, that's a great question. You guys should go do it. And that's what happened. It went like, we posed the question. They were like, yeah, great question. Great idea here. Why don't you go put it together and you two figure it out. And so me and Gary came up with the podcast and, uh, it's been going on this, I think year five just happened, um, right before I, I left NASA. So it's a five year long that I worked on it since its creation. Incredible. So then you're handling the recording, the handling the recording, the editing. Um, that's mainly what I did because of the fact that, you know, the podcast wasn't my full-time job. So I had so many things in the other, in the fire that it's like, I will be there to record it and I'll make the edits as I can because it's a weekly episode. So I Mm -hmm. knew I had podcast stuff coming up pretty much every week. I knew I had to do something unless I could be able to, you know, not two or three episodes out and editing that day. If I was lucky enough, mm-hmm. I knew that every week I had some podcast stuff I had to do or tweaks or edits that I had to take out. Um, it did get really challenging with COVID because, uh, you know, our, uh, our talent, we're used to have a, you know, maybe one or two people that we have to do on the phone line and that's mm-hmm. fine. You know, if they're in Russia or like we did live podcasts with someone from space that were, you know, an astronaut talking in space to us on our podcast. That was fine. But then, you know, when we got into COVID, had to figure out how I'm going to be able to record this where none of us are on site. 
So I can't use the console at all. So I'm looking in digital ways and I still want to get everything ISO. So it makes my life easier. I'm trying to, you know, mix and edit this thing. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was stressful, but it was a lot of fun. And it was, it was nice to see how we were able to keep it going and not have to skip a week um, because of technology failing us. The, the technology that came out during COVID time was I think it was like perfect timing for that boom of like with, between Zoom and Google Hangout and then like all these other things with Skype, you know, the OG Skype, but using those different things to figure out which one is the best to get the best quality, which one would be the easiest for someone who does not know what they're doing. Right. Right. Hop on and plug in. So yeah, that was a, that was quite a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering exactly how you, um, that all went, especially if like, were you all like in the same room half the time? Did you have guests come in that you're able to have kind of like within a studio or podcast setup, or were you talking a lot with people remotely? Um, so that answers that question. And I can understand the need for simplicity, right. For, um, those that don't really do with this work all the time. So they might not have the proper microphone set up, but there's them with, with their earbuds and they're going through their laptop kind of a thing, right? Right. Um, right. And did you ever use anything? Um, so you mentioned that you used um, uh, components like Zoom and, and Skype and all of those to be able to hold these conversations. Did you ever use anything like Source Connect where you're able to take a, a, an incoming feed I don't think it was source. We we did use this one thing called IPDTL, uh, which for my end it was perfect. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like having a codec for um, you know for your laptop. It was it was great on my end. But what we found out was that you know for people who don't know what they're doing, trying to plug into it, it you know for me it was great. I had faders on my screen. I was like I can mix it while I'm recording it. But everyone, including the host, was like. Yeah, this is a this is really complex. I was like, no, it's not, guys. You just plug this, this. They're like, yeah, that's too much. We want to be able to click the link and let's go. And I was like, okay, all right. So we just kept moving around, and then we went back to phones. Whenever I was able to come on site, I would be upstairs in the control room, have the host inside our booth, and put him on headphones if he was on site the same day. And we'll just have someone on the phone, and I'll I'll connect through a telephone hybrid and just do it that way. A lot of times he'll just come in just to record that instead of us uh, trying to do it all from home. It just, it got too hectic. And then internet kept going out and taking internet hits and uh, recordings weren't being saved. So it was just easier for me to be able to be back on site, at least have the host on site inside of a room by himself to where I could have multiple ways of recording the same thing. So I have backups because you can never trust technology (laughs) from what I've learned. Back up to a backup to a backup always (laughs) Yeah, when possible. Incredible. Incredible. Um, It's so great that the podcast has been doing well and it's still continuing going right now. I did realize that NASA had so many podcasts, so it's just one of many I now need to listen to full-time as I'm obsessed with everything space and related to that. Um, So on top of all this, I don't understand how you have the time. The fact you're so you were so busy at NASA with all the work that you were doing. It must have been at different times of the day, having to be available for any of the events happening and any time that the astronauts needed to talk with mission control and having to be the go-between for a lot of this stuff, right? How did you have time for set working on your own TikTok account 
you know, honestly, that happened, uh, I would say, literally at the start of the pandemic. It was kind of where everyone was thinking, oh, we'll just be at home for two weeks type of thing. And so I, you know, I saw my nephew was watching TikToks on his phone. I was like, I'm going to download it. These videos are funny. So I downloaded it and then I started doing a couple of videos and maybe getting like four or five views. I didn't really think too much about it. Right. Then I had a video that <laughs> it literally got 80,000 views in one day. And all I did was slam my head on a piece of paper timed up to a song. And I just, I thought it was the dumbest thing. And I was like, wait, you mean to tell me people like this stuff? Like, this is what people like. This is what they enjoy. And then, so then it just became, it, it became a way for me, you know, when the pandemic, you can't go outside, hang out with your friends, but your friends want to know what you're up to. And so I just started creating videos. I'm usually after work, you know, before COVID, I would go hang out with friends. We'll go to bars, we'll go to uh, nightclubs. I'll go watch my friends perform. So I'm never usually at home. This is a lot of me being at home, a lot of energy being pent up at home. And so I just started creating videos. And what I've found out as I got more into it and started taking TikTok more seriously is that, you know, in those days where I really feel great and I don't have much to do, I can knock out like six or seven videos in a day and just save them. So in a day, swamp work. I can still have something to post at least, you know? So um, it's not like I was having to create videos every single day. I, I could have a whole stockpile of funny ideas that I thought about at three o'clock in the morning and then post it like a couple of days later. And it's like, wow, that was kind of funny three days later. Yeah. The fact that it still has longevity, the joke still has longevity is really, really good. And the, um, that's something to speak to when it comes to anyone starting a TikTok account, anyone that wants to create is that there's different reasons why we're doing this, whether it's informational, whether they, there's something super artistic, creative in that way, or is it, is it humorous? Is it something like, I just want to do this for fun. I want other people to laugh too. I love that you utilize your family as well and get them involved. Yes. <laughs> it's so great that they can become a part of it. And, uh, that, that is just a wonderful thing that, um, people can do with their time. Um, and I want to speak more to that kind of creating content, especially with TikTok. Do you think that it has helped to inform your decision and the, the, the career path that you're going now? Can you speak to that and where, where you're at now? Yeah. So I think especially now me, you know, being on TikTok for the past two years and learning the creative side of things. I've always been the person behind the camera, person behind, you know, on the other side of the microphone with the headphones on. I've never been the person really in front of the camera holding the mic myself. And so it gave me that perspective and it let me think as a creator. And so, I, you know, now working at Standard, I work with a lot of YouTube content creators and, and doing the audio for them. And I, I know they sing. It helps me edit their stuff better because I know now, if I was on that take, I would be like, no, I don't want that take because I don't like the inflection. I know that. And it makes my editing go faster. It makes it smoother. I can now put my head myself inside the head of the creator, you know, and and be able to figure out how they want this audio to be edited, how they want the pacing to go, because I myself have done something similar. It's not so much of it's a disconnect. Oh, I got to really learn this creator. It's one of those. Let me watch a couple of their videos. OK, this is their style. I did a video similar to this. How would I edit this? You know, he he did three takes of the same thing. Which one do I think he would want to take? Well, then me put my own creator hat is like, oh, if I was the person doing that, this is the take that I would take. 
not so much, you know, especially if all the takes are great, you're like, oh, I don't know which one to pick. Well, it helps me narrow it down because I put on my creator hat. I know as a creator, as if I was a YouTube creator, this is what I would want the audience to see. This is what I would want them to hear. And so it helps that relationship being built and it makes my work go by a lot faster because I'm not sitting there trying to contemplate on things. That's that's incredible work for you as an engineer, just to get inside that space and that head of someone and what it is that they're trying to, to complete. Um, and you touched on a word that I think is great is pacing and style. So both those two words, you know, both of them actually where, so would you say that that would be one of the most important things for someone coming into first creating? Like if they were to join with standard, if they were trying to start this on their own is to consider what is their style? What is it that they're after and figure out what that pacing might be like? Yeah, I, I, I especially feel that, um, uh, my niece, she's a new creator herself. And, she, you know, that was one of her hardest things was trying to figure out what she wanted her style to be. Um, for me, I knew for me, I didn't want to stick to just a one genre type of thing. I didn't want it to be everything educational. I didn't want it to be humor all the time. What I wanted was more or less like Netflix, but for TikTok, you can go on Netflix and watch anything that you're in a mood for. I want you to go on my TikTok and be able to click through my playlist and see whatever you want. And I want a whole little, my own little Netflix on TikTok. That was my goal for my niece. She's more into hygiene and beauty and lifestyle. And mm -hmm. so when I, when she realized that I was like, this is your, your hygiene, your beauty, your lifestyle. When you want to do funny and fun, do them all the time. You can, Feel free to do it, but make sure you still stick with your niche within that. And if you feel like you want to do a video like that, you feel free to come do it on my page. It's perfectly fine because my page can hold that. And then you'll gain, you know, new followers off of my page who are not, maybe not so much into the hygiene world or they haven't really thought about it that much, but they seen you on my page. So they're going to click to find you now and vice versa. Um, I'm not into the hygiene and TikTok, <laughs> uh, shower talk world like that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, soap is soap. Soap feels great. You know, soap great. smells good. If it smells good, <laughs> I'm I'm good to go. It doesn't break me out. I'm good to go. But she likes the science of it and, and the, she sees the beauty in it. And I think that's amazing. And I think that what makes creators so unique is when they find the beauty and something that they're passionate about, and you can see them transform that into on camera. That's mm -hmm. what that's what I feel like content creators don't need to ever lose. Like don't lose that passion behind it. It shouldn't feel like a job. It should feel like you are expressing yourself. You think this is so awesome that you want to tell the world that this is awesome. And right. it shouldn't matter like how many views or things you get off of it because you're just expressing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The passion should drive it, should drive what it is you're trying to communicate to the world. Right. Right. And I love that idea actually of thinking that you can cross collaborate. Like if there's stuff that you want to cover, but like, that's not something that really fits on your page, but you can, like, if you know someone else, or if you team up with people that you want to co-create this kind of artistry or this, this, this neat thing, you could do it elsewhere on other people's pages. That's just, that's pretty amazing to think that how free you could really be with that and how flexible with that. That's a great idea as well. I love the work you're doing with, with standard and furthering, um, the capacity for people to create amazing, amazing things that sound great, that look great and standards are part of that. And this is a really funny thing that came full circle because when I was asked to start 
hosting this podcast for Earthworks, it was, um, they asked me, who, who do I want to, to interview? Who, who would you like, love to have on? Who do you want to hear from? And you were one of the first people I thought of that I, I want to get to know. I want to know your story, what you're, what you're into, what's going on and, and figure out what, you know, what's going on in your world. And it's funny how it's come like full circle almost. And then now that you're working with standard and they are uh, an incredible company and what they're providing and like they're partnering now with earthworks is <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And like their microphones are something that I believe in because of how well they sound and the fidelity and the clarity. And then now that Earthworks is helping to provide that for creators that, that work with standard is that is awesome stuff. This show was brought to you by Earthworks, the makers of the world's fastest microphones, that clarity and lifelike presence that you heard, how it sounded like you were right in the room with us. That's all about the speed of the mic. If you like how we, the content creator, sounded, then please check out our Icon USB or XLR streaming microphones. Visit earthworksaudio.com to learn more or to speak with any of your sales representatives from your favorite merchandisers.